Scripture this morning is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 through 13. It's page 1853. Let's pray together as we prepare to hear God's word. Word made flesh, now as we read your word, as we hear it, and as it touches our hearts, may I may our lives reflect you, may our lives be more like you. We pray in your spirit, Jesus Christ. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we're faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. A newborn baby suddenly fills our lives with promise. Grandfathers beam with Pride, aunts are ecstatic, sharing pictures around the office, and parents are filled with a sense of all of the possibilities. Future all-star quarterback, soon-to-be valedictorian, certain to be the brightest and the best. No matter what the journey ahead holds, these few pounds of squalling, cooing, sleeping flesh hold promise. So Paul reminds Timothy that Jesus holds promise. Paul encourages Timothy to endure in life because of the example of Jesus. Part of Advent's power is realizing the promise of a baby born in the manger, what it brings to us and our world. Our baptism into Christ offers great hope. Paul quotes from a trustworthy saying to convey the promise that comes to us through Jesus Christ. This trustworthy saying is probably from one of the earliest baptismal formularies. Listen again to the words of hope. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Baptism is a sign of God's covenant promise. The rich symbolism of baptism captures our imaginations for our connection with Jesus. 
In Romans 6, Paul says, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Baptism signifies our dying and rising with Jesus. God reaches down into the life of a helpless person, an infant or an adult, and accepts them. God declares that in Jesus our sin is washed away. In Jesus, our old dead self has been turned into a new living self. Sin no longer has any hold on us. God indicates by baptism that in Jesus' resurrection, we live life in hope. Sin's guilt has no hold on us because we are in Christ. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we enter the life that God desires for us. Now, Now, true, this life is always a work in progress in our lives. There's always so much more that we want to bring to life in our lives. But this is our hope, that God touches our lives with the glory of Christ's life. Canadian singer Bruce Coburn sings a song called Cry of a Tiny Babe. The song reflects on the powerful impact Jesus' birth, including his life and death, have on the world. Here's one part of that song. There are others who know about this miracle birth. The humblest of people catch a glimpse of their worth, for it isn't to the palace the Christ child comes, but to shepherds and street people, hookers and bums. And the message is clear if you've got ears to hear that forgiveness is given for your guilt and your fear. It's a Christmas gift you don't have to buy. There's a future shining in a baby's eyes. Our future shines... In the eyes of infant Jesus. A glorious future is promised all who believe in Jesus Christ. All who are baptized into his name receive the installment of God's promise. Here's our hope. In Jesus Christ, God offers us the promise of life free from guilt, from fear, from shame. We believe that Jesus will bring us into glory. In one of the What Jesus' Birth Means to Me Advent Letters, one person writes, Without knowing Jesus, life would be meaningless and hopeless. There would be no significant future. Jesus is my only comfort in life and in death. He gives me purpose. Life without Jesus would be just plain scary. I know that he's the ruler of this world and that all that happens is according to his plan." Our world can be overwhelming. Natural disasters, shootings, murders, and political turmoil cause us to worry. But I do not need to be upset by these things. Jesus has come. He has conquered death and sin. And he is in heaven now preparing a place for me. My only comfort in life and in death. It's the great hope that Jesus brings us. Life in his name. And baptism is a sign of it. God offers each of us hope in Jesus' death and resurrection. Our great future shines in the eyes of the baby Jesus. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Thing is, it takes a lot of hard work to live this message. 
Paul calls Christ followers to a life of endurance. Until Jesus Christ returns, believers are to keep at it. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Many of you know, life is a marathon. It's not a hundred-yard dash. The hardship arises when we live the gospel of Jesus. Social and political forces will challenge us. Paul invites Timothy to stay the course. Don't give up. There are no loopholes, no shortcuts. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endurance, perseverance, these are part of our faith response. Following Jesus has no easy way forward. When we live as one of God's good soldiers, we can expect to suffer. The Christian life is not meant to be easy. Paul calls to mind three images to help us understand what endurance looks like. We're to have the mindset of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Soldiers were recruited away from their jobs. You served in the Roman army and you didn't think of home. The focus of your attention was doing the wishes of your commanding officer. It was not the time to get preoccupied with civilian affairs. A soldier acts with a single focus, to put the commander's orders into effect. The difference is Caesar's soldiers usually inflicted suffering, but good soldiers of Christ receive suffering because of their commitment to the crucified Lord Jesus. The next image Paul raises is that of an athlete. An athlete competes with determination. Even before the competition, an athlete who performs at the highest levels has poured in hours and hours of practice. Oftentimes, athletes in Paul's day would make a vow to the judges of the games. Before the statue of Zeus, they would stand and they would vow that they had engaged in rigorous off-season training. They had devoted themselves to their sport. And finally, Paul points us to the image of the farmer. Farmers are hard at work in the fields, plowing, sowing, cultivating, irrigating. A farmer must endure all kinds of weather, pests, weeds to bring in a crop to harvest. The farmer is clear. The work's not done till the harvest is in. You may have others working the land for you, but that's not the way of the Christian life. You can't be an absentee landlord expecting the benefits without the hard work. Reward comes to the farmer because of his hard work. Living the life of Jesus until he returns takes a lot of hard work. In fact, the nature of the work is suffering. Creates a challenge for us today. See, most of us think that the Christian life should be relatively easy. Paul disagrees. The question before us that we must ask is, what does it mean for us to suffer in our lives and culture? See, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he was in prison. Most of us will never have our faith challenged by the pain and suffering of prison conditions. Nor do we experience the contemporary persecution many Christians around the world suffer. Standing amid bombed out rubbles, not the same as Same thing as hearing happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. N.T. Wright notes what following Jesus means. It will involve standing out for the gospel, 
the royal announcement, even when it challenges the assumptions and practices of the world and the empire all around. It's perhaps one of the greatest challenges facing Christians today to see what the contemporary equivalent of all of this might be. This issue is important because God uses difficult times to shape our lives. Someone once offered this challenge. Suppose you're handed the script of your newborn child's life. Even more, you're given an eraser in five minutes to edit out whatever you want. Now you read the script. The script says she'll have a learning disability in grade school. Reading, which is a breeze for many kids, is laborious for her. In high school, she'll be part of a great circle of friends, but you read that one of them will die of cancer. She graduates to attend a prestigious university, but while there, she loses her leg in a car accident and descends into a deep depression. She emerges to land a great job, but then loses it in an economic downturn. She marries a nice guy, but then goes through all of the grief of separation. So you have this script, and you have five minutes to edit. What would you erase? I suppose you might want to remove all the pain. But now imagine, what would happen if you could erase every failure, every disappointment, every period of suffering? Would your son or daughter grow into the person God wants them to be? See, here's the million-dollar question. Don't we need adversity and setback, particularly adversity and setback that's dealing with us and our life of faith, moments of crisis and trauma, in fact, so that we become the person God wants us to be? God doesn't erase all of our pain and stress. Would it be better if Jesus had not had a cross in his life? Hard as it may be, God uses our failures and our disappointments and our sufferings, particularly failures and disappointments and sufferings of faith, to help us grow. Every year, thousands of runners descend on Boston for the Boston Marathon. I'm not a runner. If I get the urge, I usually sit till it passes. But this race in Boston has a feature that makes the strongest runner tremble. Heartbreak Hill. A marathon's a 26-mile race, which in my estimation is crazy to run, even at the sanest of times. In the Boston Marathon, starting at about mile 13, there are a number of hills that climax at mile 19 with Heartbreak Hill. It's the longest and steepest of all of the hills. What's worse, in a typical marathon, it's at about mile 18 or 19 that world-class runners hit what's affectionately called the wall. The wall is when your muscles have used up all the glycogen, replaced it with lactic acid, and are screaming for oxygen. You feel like you're going to die. So imagine... In the Boston Marathon, you hit the wall on the longest and steepest hill. We can experience Heartbreak Hill even in our lives. You don't live life on a level grade. Sometimes in life we hit the wall. We have problems. Then we have bigger problems. 
And then sometimes we face heartbreak hill. Paul implores, endure hardship. Persevere. Finish the race. If we endure with him, it takes a lot of hard work to live new life until Jesus comes again. Don't give up, says Paul. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Following Jesus means we stay the course to see life and faith through to the end. Of course, the only way is by God. We can endure because God is faithful. It's not by our effort that we'll endure. God will make the promise come. Paul points us to the example of Jesus as an indication of God's faithfulness. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Remember Jesus Christ, descended from David. Here's God's faithfulness. Jesus was really born. Birthmarks, too. All the promises of the prophets, promises that offered hope and allowed the people of Israel to endure, suddenly took on flesh. God really came to be with his people. Real God was really born on earth, born a king in the line of David, born to die. One of our What Does Jesus' Birth Mean to Me Advent letter writers said, Bad things come, came into the world when Adam and Eve sinned. But God still loved them and said, I will need to send a special gift to this world. That gift was baby Jesus, who would save us from our sins. Jesus came down from heaven and became a poor baby for us, so we may become rich. When Jesus grew up, he was nailed to the cross. He has scars on his body from the nails. Those scars are for our sins. God loves us so much that he wanted to do this for us. He sacrificed his son. We can endure because God is faithful. God became fully human, enduring our human life. A king who took on our nail scars. Our king who went to the cross of death for us. And God was faithful to him. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus totally entrusted himself into God's hands and God raised Jesus from the grave. We may stumble. God doesn't. Now Paul does issue a warning. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we deny Jesus by our failure to endure, to trivialize God's faithfulness, we just short-circuit what God has accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. When we disobey or we don't follow through, we disown Christ. There have been some who have tried to cheat a marathon race. One person, maybe you know her, Rosie Ruiz. She jumped out of the crowd in Boston to win the Boston Marathon. Of course, she was discovered as a cheat and stripped of her title. Others simply give up. One college relay racer on the third leg of a relay with his team vying for first place 
stopped on the back stretch and walked off the track to sit on the grass. His teammates were sure that he was injured. They raced over there, and there he sat without a hint of pain. They asked him, well, what happened? Are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm okay. I just didn't feel like running. When we make this race all about us, we deny Jesus. And Paul warns us about the seriousness of enduring in the race. Deny Christ, says Paul, and he will deny you. But here's the power of God's faithfulness. Alongside those ominous words of warning, Paul says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. There are many times we try to cheat our way or give up. We make errors, fall short. But Jesus will never leave us. We might stumble. There are times that we fall. We veer off the course. But God remains faithful. Jesus persists with us even when we give up on him. God comes alongside us. To bring us to the finish line. As one of our what does Jesus' birth mean to me letter writers put it. Jesus not only has forgiven me. But he also cares for me every day. Jesus helps me to face all daily life situations good or bad. I know he cares for me. And he promises to never leave or forsake me. So I also know that he walks with me on life's pathway. And sometimes even carries me through the rough spots. I fully trust Him to guide me in all life situations, even when I can't understand the what and the why of the situation. Here's the Gospel. Jesus was born for us. Jesus died for us. Jesus was raised from the dead for us. And Jesus will come again to us. Jesus remains faithful until the course is run and all God's children come home. Jesus endured to the end and turned his share of suffering into glory. Jesus endured because God was faithful to his word. The prophet Isaiah speaks to the faithfulness of God's enduring word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Jesus, God's word made flesh, accomplishes the salvation which God promised. And through his obedient suffering, he remained faithful. He cannot deny himself. Our reliability, our stick to our resolve to obey, our determination to be faithful to God wavers and wobbles. When we face intense pressure, whether political or social or spiritual or moral, we may grow weak and weary and helpless. But God will never give up. We can have faith in the utter faithfulness of God. God is reliable. Our example is Jesus. He's our real human example of faithfulness. Even to death. Remember Jesus, says Paul. Why? 
Because he's the example of endurance. He was human, just like us, birthmarks too, but he totally relied on the faithfulness of God. And so can we. One day, Jesus will come to be with us forever. Our future is shining in that baby's eyes. We can run the race. We can finish the course. We will receive a crown of glory. But not without God's help. By God's faithfulness, we will endure. God was faithful to make His Word flesh. God was faithful to raise Jesus from the dead. He is our help. Even when we stumble and fall, we look to Jesus. Advent is a time to remember that even Jesus ran the marathon of life. He lived a real human life relying completely on God's faithfulness. So too, we can endure. Put on our Nikes and run. Even through our heartbreak hills. God is faithful. Just remember, the day is coming when by God's grace we will trade our Nikes for crowns. Let's pray together. Lord our God, give us strength to run this race to be able to endure, to persevere. Even when we suffer for our faith, even as we discover what it means for us to suffer for our faith. For we trust in your faithfulness that you will lead us forward to where you want us to be to where you want us to go. Until that day, when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns to be with us. We pray this all in His name. Amen.